Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel, I apologize, the prophet Amos, chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. But first, let us pray. Gracious Lord, by your word, give us your soul and life. Pour out your spirit upon us so that we will open our hearts and minds to your truth. Amen. This is what the Lord God showed me. He was forming locusts at the time the latter growth began to sprout. It was the latter growth after the king's mowings. When they had finished eating the grass of the land, I said, O Lord God, forgive, I beg you, how can Jacob stand? He is so small. The Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. This is what the Lord God showed me. The Lord God was calling for judgment by fire, and it devoured the great deep and was eating up the land. Then I said, O oh Lord God, cease, I beg you, how can Jacob stand? He is so small. The Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, said the Lord God. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, see, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise again, I'm sorry, against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. This is the word of God for the people of God. God's steadfast love endures forever. That's where we began this How Firm a Foundation series, and in some ways it continues to be the place to which we always return, for it is the central truth of the character of God. God's love never lets go of us, and it never gives up on us either. Last week we wrestled with the complex truth that God may change God's mind about the best way to deal with humanity. But if God does change course, it's only so that God can remain even more loyal to that steadfast love. God can change. God's love will not. Today, though, Amos brings us a word, and it is a word of warning for the times when we might be the ones who need to change. Prophets are good with words of warning. Now, every time we talk about prophets, I find myself remembering the words of my friend Tamar, who taught me that prophets do not have a gift that enables them to see magically into the future. Sometimes the way we talk about them, it sounds like they do. 
The real gift that prophets have is their ability to see the present with tremendous clarity. And because they can see the present often more clearly than those around them, they have a very good read on where that present is headed. If everyone around them, at least, goes on living their lives and maintaining the status quo. In other words, when prophets issue a word of warning, it's not a warning about an abstract future. It's a warning about a very present reality. And in Amos's present reality, this is what the Lord showed him. First, Amos sees locusts devouring the land, but God relents. Second, Amos sees fire consuming everything. God relents again. And third, Amos sees a plumb line. More specifically, he sees the Lord with a plumb line in hand, standing next to a wall that had been built by a plumb line. And that third vision is the one that lasts. I am setting a plumb line, the Lord says, and I will spare my people no longer. That is the word of the Lord. It could have been locusts, but it wasn't. It could have been fire, but it wasn't. It's a plumb line. It was at this point in my studying, I did something I have never done before as part of sermon preparation. Heather called her dad. I called building and grounds. I emailed Jay Rogers, who knows all about these sorts of things, and it is with his knowledgeable and professional approval that I tell you a plumb line is essentially a string with a weight at the end of it. You hold on to the string and you drop the weight, known as a bob, and then thanks to gravity, the string provides you a perfectly straight line. To picture it, Jay says, you can look at the microphone hanging above my head right now, or look at the other one above the font. A real plumb line, of course, is not about hearing sound, it's about being sound. It shows us a perfect line. And the perfect line enables you to construct something, often a wall, that is perfectly straight. The perfect line also enables you to measure, up against, to measure it up against an existing structure and see how close or how far it is from where it ought to be. Amos sees a vision of a plumb line. It's a vertical line extending from the heavens right down to the earth. And it is plain as day that God's people are not plumb. They are far from upright. God's people are on the cusp of falling into ruin. You have neglected the house of Israel, God says to the people just before these visions. You have neglected the house, and so the house shall fall into bits and pieces. Look, God says, look and see for yourselves. My plumb line is true, and look how off-kilter you have become. If you read from here to the end of Amos, which isn't terribly long, you'll discover that the word of the Lord that Amos brings 
is that the Lord is just about out of patience. The Lord is getting fed up. Amos also brings a word of explanation as to why. God's people were trampling on the needy and bringing ruin to the poor of the land. They were dealing in deceitful ways. That comes directly out of chapter 8. All you care about is your net gain, God says. All you care about is what will benefit you. And so you have set up systems that take advantage of those who have the very least. You are treating them like commodities to be used rather than like people to be loved. No more, says the Lord. With this, I cannot abide. It is a harsh word for those who trample the needy. But is it not a word of tremendous grace to the one who is caught underfoot? Enough, God says, no more. Now, not for nothing, God also makes clear that judgment will come not just upon those actively involved in such mistreatment. It will come, too, to those who passively and complacently let it go on. Amos says this in chapter 7. I should note that I was writing this part while sitting on my couch. He writes, Alas, to those who lie on their beds and lounge on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and sing idle songs and drink wine from bowls. Alas, for those who are not grieved all the way into action, God says. I've never forgotten the words from Desmond Tutu that framed a seminary class called Reading the Bible from the Underside. If you are neutral in a situation of injustice, the archbishop wrote, if you are neutral in a situation of injustice, you have in fact chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has his foot on the tail of a mouse and you stay neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. You have neglected the house of Israel, God says. It is going to fall into bits and pieces if you keep this up. Here is my plumb line. Measure for yourself. It is a hard word. And quite honestly, it may not be the God we want sometimes, but it is the God that we have and it is the God that the poor needs. My friend Meg told me about a book written by Thomas Phelan, a psychologist. The book is called 123 Magic. I didn't actually have to read the book to understand its main point, and you don't either if you've ever been a child, a child who was doing something that wasn't quite right. Maybe you were playing a video game instead of coming up to dinner. Maybe you were refusing to walk the dog. Maybe you were reluctant to apologize to your brother. 
and your parent counted to three. You have to the count of three, your mother might have said, and that's one. If you kept it up, that's two. And if you couldn't straighten up, if you couldn't get yourself in line with what was being asked of you, that's three. And three came with consequence. Time out, or a lost privilege, or something anticipated, now denied. But everyone who's ever used that strategy, well, they've stolen it from Amos. One, a vision of locusts. Two, a vision of fire. Three, a vision of a plumb line. And with it, consequences. Dr. Phelan says one, two, three only works when parents hold the line. He says the key element of one, two, three is the rule that says you will not rationalize with your child, nor will you get angry. You just calmly hold the line. And 90% of the time, the counting strategy doesn't work. Well, it's reportedly because parents relented on that rule. But when it comes to God's people, when it comes to all of God's people, God does not relent. God holds the line. God holds on to everyone with a fierce love, especially those the world has forgotten. And God insists that we measure up against the same standard. Because again, the foundation of everything is God's steadfast love. And when the walls of the house settle and shift and end up so far from plumb that the roof no longer shelters everyone equally from the storm, well, any good contractor will tell you, you have to fix the problem. Without action for the least of these, God says, your holy rituals, no matter how well intended, are empty. When I was talking with Jay, he answered a question I hadn't even known to ask. Can a plumb line ever fail? If the wind blows too hard, he said. And that answer has stuck with me all week because throughout scripture in both the Old and New Testaments, the spirit is most commonly referred to as wind or breath. The spirit hovers over the waters at creation in Ezekiel, a spirit enters dry bones and they rise up again. Jesus, sharing the spirit with his disciples after the resurrection, breathes on his friends. At Pentecost, a mighty wind sweeps through the people as the spirit descends upon them. If the plumb line ever moves, Amos's plumb line, at least, God's plumb line, it will be only by God's own hand or by God's own breath. Which is to say, I think, in the midst of a hard, hard word, there is still room enough for grace to breathe. 
to flow through and remind us how good it is, how lovely it feels, what a glimpse of the kingdom we see in those moments when we do get it right, when everything aligns, when we get one step closer to the hungry being fed, when we get one step closer to affordable housing in Colombia, when we get one step closer to living wages and safe, violence-free streets. Every time grace gives us a glimpse of what this world can be, every time that plumb line blows even just a bit in God's holy wind, we are reinvigorated and renewed and reconciled, even if just for that moment, and we breathe enough air into our lungs to keep going another day until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a never-ending stream. Those words are from Amos, too. He knows it's possible, and so does God. That's why God bothers holding the line. Because God knows a better day for all of God's children is actually possible. All of God's children, every beloved last one of them, sits on the foundation of God's steadfast love. Let us do everything within our power to shore up the structure around it. One, two, three. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.